Welcome, everyone. I was very excited to be sharing this morning. So I want to I wanna pick up. Uh, I'm Paul. Sorry. Thanks, Hati. My name is Paul. Uh, I completely forgot to introduce myself. Usually I'll set myself a reminder, introduce yourself. And one time I forget, I actually forget. Uh, so my name is Paul. I'm one of the deacons in the church. Uh, I'm full-time on staff at the church as well. I've been saved for, uh, I think we're going on, I counted the other day. It was a big number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like 10 or something. Years. And, and I must say, God has been faithful over the years. Um, I've, I've had my moments where I went through some dips and all that, you know. Uh, or in Afrikaans, they say, um, But, you know, and, and, and I've, I've had to le- learn some hard lessons. And I'm, I'm not super old and, you know, I've been through life. But I'm <coughs> I just mean, in, in terms of my walk with Jesus, I had to learn a couple of things of, man, I need to cling to Jesus. Like, I- this is life or death. You know, how many of us, we just kind of, yeah, I do my quiet time every now and then. Yeah, it's okay. You know, I've got to go to church every now and then. Yeah, I am a Christian, but it's okay to forget. And we're fine with that. Because you don't feel the impact immediately. You know, you skip one quiet time, or you, you, you skip going to church once. You skip. Do you guys agree with me that generally you skip it once or twice, and it's like, well, you still feel okay. But then consistently doing that, you'll find yourself in a place where you just turn around and you're like, wait, where's Jesus? You go through a rough time because Jesus said, in this life, you will have trouble. It's one of those promises I wish he never made. <laughs> but you can, rel- you can count on it that you will have trouble. And it, none of us will have smooth sailing in life. When, um, j- when Jesus didn't have smooth sailing, he, he got killed. Um, luckily, he, he rose again. But and, uh, wh- what I'm trying to say is we need to be vigilant getting to Jesus. And we need to be vigilant and violent in getting to Jesus, but also being part of church. Because it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. It's not actually what I want to pick on. But <coughs> so I want to pick up on where Haya left off last time. Um, we were doing a, like a series on what is the church? What is church? And uh, if you want to give a, I like giving titles to my sleep. It's normally fun. Um, so if you want to give it a title, if you are taking notes, uh, you can call it Building Through the Apostolic Church. Now, that's a big word, a lot of words. I'll explain it now. But Building Through the Apostolic Church. Apostolic, meaning apostles, believers in the church. Um, <coughs> so I was sick a, a while ago. And I'm still a little whatever. <laughs> so the Bible is clear about the church, you know, and it, it, and to, I want to use an illustration. So, when I say the church, we all agree, and I preached on it last time, that the church is God's building, God's house. Now, we read in Ephesians 2 that we are being built together to become a dwelling for God. So, we all agree, I mean, the church is God's church, is His building. He wants, and with that being said, He wants it to look a certain way. So God wants His church to look a certain way. There's a specific idea that He has in mind of how His church should look like. Because it's His church. It's not ours. We are part of His church, but it's His. So that would be like you you bought a nice plot of land and you're going to build, you're going to build your house. So now you get excited and you go to an architect and you um, sit and you get, grab some plans, you scroll through Pinterest looking at nice designs and you finally decide you want your house to look like this. And you know, the architect draws it up 
And you go and you, you get a builder, and the builder has his team, and you go get a plumber and an electrician. You get a team together, and they're going to build things. They're going to go and build your house. But the thing is, they're building your house. They're not building their own house. So the builder can't say, you know, I, I know, I, I, I see you, you said a two-story, but trust me, you don't want a two-story. We, we're doing three. Stop being so conservative, we're going for three. And, and, and then you rock up one day and there's like this three-story building. And you, what am I going to do with the extra rooms? And I don't do, that's not what I want. It just, it, it's not what you want because you've got something and you want that. It's your building. Because the thing is, you are paying for that building, aren't you? I'm paying the builder. I'm paying the architect. I'm paying the electrician. I, I bought the bricks. And I, I bought those things. And likewise, Jesus bought us with a price. You know, the Bible says we are bricks. So like, like a builder would go and buy the, or the, the owner would buy the material and give it to the builder. Okay, go build it. This is what I want. Go and build it. Exactly in the same way, Jesus paid a price for us, you know, the bricks. Congratulations. If you are a born-again believer here this morning, you are a brick. Uh, you, can, you can claim that title. You know that song, All in all, it's just another brick in the wall. I was thinking of that the whole time. Uh, anyway, uh, you guys remember that song. <laughs> you can kind of tell yourself, yeah, I'm a brick in the wall. Eh? Um, but the thing is, the brick can't tell the master of the building, no, 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 like, I don't want a second story. I don't want to carry the weight of the second story. If the, if the guy who's building it is wants a second story, then he, it, it, you guys understand what I'm saying? It, it, it sounds basic, right? We all agree, man, if it's your building, you can do it what you want, and you want it a certain way. You know, the plumber comes in, I know you wanted a toilet here, but come on, man, you've got a tree outside, I just didn't put a toilet in, you'll be fine. You're going to be, I'm not going to pay you. That's not what I want. So likewise, why, you know, Jesus wants the church to look a certain way. But I've seen so much, and even in my life, we kind of, I think, honestly, there's, there's a sense of, in today's church, um, obviously not you guys, you guys, but, but in the church in general, man, there's a sense of we're so selfish. We kind of go to Jesus. I know, I know you've got this great plan of how your church should look, but trust us. We know how it works. We can do it so much better. And we don't say it, but it's actually what our heart is doing. And, and I'll, I'll look at a couple of things now. But why do we approach it like that? It's not our building. It's not our church. It's God's church. So if he wants it a certain way, man, we're doing it that way. But the challenge is, and that's what I want to present, how do we know what is the correct way? Because if I ask, if I, if I ask um, and I'm, I'm saying, yes, you know, we, we all need to build God's way and being the good Christians that you are, you'll say, yeah, amen, you know, and in your heart you're like, yes, we want that. But then in reality, we struggle to do that. Because if you look at churches all around us, and not even, I mean, just in, in, in South Africa and all around, it, like everyone's kind of doing it differently. Everyone says, yes, we want to build it God's way, but why are there so, much, so many differences? And to use wh- what I think is happening is essentially what we're allowing is we're allowing the electrician that's now supposed to do the electrical work, he kind of stands up and says, you know what, I'll go and do the plumbing work, I'll go put the toilet in, and then when you flush the toilet, it's just sparks fly. Eh? So, <laughs> I was thinking of that joke all the time. Um, no, we, we, we're... We, we mean good, we want to do something, yes, we want to be active, but we need to do the correct thing. And we need to have people that know what they're doing, show us what to do, teach us what to do, be equipped, be trained. Now we look at some scriptures now, and even just me saying that, 
probably somebody going like, no, no, but I've got the Holy Spirit. I can do it. I'm like, man, Paul, Paul, in the, the, the apostle Paul got a revelation from Jesus and he went to the other apostles and said, this is what I think God is saying. I might be wrong. Now he says, out of fear of, I've been running in vain. So he's like, I've been preaching this gospel and Jesus revealed it to me personally, but I might have missed it. I might have interpreted what Jesus said incorrectly. So the Bible says, no, we need to be a family church. Now, we, we put all these things in place because we want to be a family church, but it doesn't mean there is family. No, we say, you know, we're going to be a praying church. You know, we pray on a Sunday here, but there's no praying going on in people's lives. There's no prayer in, of any sort. Anyways, let, let, let me move on there. Um, let's look at Ephesians. I want to look at a scripture, and then I'll unpack it a bit there. Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 12. This is the classic, I mean, <laughs> if, if, if I ask what's in the middle tonight, Ephesians 4, 11, it's like, oh, okay, and he knows it. Uh, so, <coughs> it was he, so he is Christ, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. Jesus, for some reason, what he does is he gives a builder, he gives the electrician, he gives the plumber, and he tells these people, okay, I want you to equip the workers on the site to build my house. I want you to teach the people on my site how to build the house. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the saints. What is a saint? We, we, I, I remember growing up with the idea of a saint being you have to have a robe and you do this the whole time. You know, that's not a, the, the, Catholic, the Catholic idea of a saint. It's not, no, the saint literally means someone who believes in Jesus. So, congratulations, another, you know, you're a brick and you're also a saint, you know. We get, we're going to get a lot of things, don't worry. A brick. Hmm? Saint brick, yeah. <laughs> saint brick. But there's, but there's a, there's a, there's a specific reason for these gifts. Yeah? And when I sp speak about these gifts, we, we know that the apostles, the prophets, it's a, it's a certain person. You know? It's not a prophetic gift. So the Bible, Paul speaks about, now, I wish that you all would prophesy. And there's a sense that we can all hear God's voice for someone. Now, now I feel God saying he loves you or something. But then there's a, there's a certain type of individual who he is the gift. He carries gifts like God has given him, but he is the gift to the church. Now, we don't want to, you know, in, in today's society, we feel like, no, we can't say that. We must all equal. I'm not so sure that's what, you know, yes, God loves us. But it's not that because he has called Quirson to maybe be, you know, let's say he calls Quirson to be an apostle, he, he makes him an apostle. It's not that, okay, well, he, he's, he, oh, he's extra special. He carries a certain gift. He, he is a certain gift to the church. And I'll, I'll look at the scripture. It's going to challenge us a lot. But we shouldn't equate our value with the gift that we carry. And I mean, I've been trying to preach that in over the years, over the years. But, you know, just be, whatever God has given you, you know, you, you can be secure that he, you know, he loves you and you want a relationship with you. So just because someone else has a higher caliber of gift doesn't make him, you know, that's, it's not like, Jesus, when Jesus walked into the room, he would go and sit with that person because you're not gifted enough. Now, we, we've got that idea, actually. We don't say it, but we do. 
I think sometimes they think if Jesus walks in, you'd go and sit with the leaders. I mean, we won't sit with the rest of them. You know, you, you go sit, you know, we go sit by Aaron. But actually, he wants to be with each and every one of us. I think that's why Jesus said, it's better for me to go, because I'm sending you the helper. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit that is able to be with us all. Going off my notes. Back to Ephesians. Did you, did you put up uh, Ephesians 4, uh, 12? So there's a reason for these gifts. Uh, to prepare God's people for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up. So we've established that God wants His church to be built up. This church is like His building where He dwells. But that, that thing needs to be built. You know, do you guys agree with me that we're not there yet? No, don't say yet. <laughs> I'm joking. No, we're not there yet. And we, we need to be built up. We need to become what God wants. And, and the Bible is clear that we, we be, we're going from glory to glory. We're still growing. You know, in John it says, if you say that you're without sin, you're lying. And you, then you get sinned. And there's a bit of a catch-22. But, but then also the Bible calls us to be holy. So we, we're moving to become more like Jesus. For that to happen, is we need to build one another up. It's not just going to happen. Uh, and the way it happens is through us loving one another through us having difficult conversations, through us prophesying, praying for one another, teaching one another, all those things, holding one another accountable. Now, hey, the way you did that, maybe not the best. And we, we're growing as a church. But I'm, I must say, I've, <laughs> I've had some times where, l- l- let me say this, that word equip, where is it? Uh, to prepare, to prepare God's people. A different, a different translation says to equip. Now, that word in the Greek, you probably have heard this, but it means... Um, in a sense, to fix something. Right? In the one of the Gospels, the disciples were sitting, they, well, they, they were fishing, and after they, they caught their fish, after they fished, uh, they sat down and they were fixing their nets. And it's, it's the exact same Greek word was used there. It, it's, there's a sense for sitting together, fixing their nets, mending their nets, so that the, the activity that they're going to go and do, the fish that they need to go and catch, they need to prepare their equipment, they need to fix it because you know, there's a lot of fish they maybe catch and some of the strings broke or some of it gets tied up. And, you know, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever caught fish with a net. Anyone here? Skip net. No, not a skip net. <coughs> so apparently it's quite a, uh, quite a um, hectic task, especially if you've got a big one to catch a couple of fish. So you need to clean that thing. You need to take the fish. And some of it gets like caught up in the net. You need to clean that. Now, that's the exact same word that gets used. <coughs> so essentially what, we're, what Jesus has done is he's given these gifts so that we, the net, can be fixed. So, and then if you're honest with yourself, and I've seen it in my life as well, we, you, the moment you get saved, the moment you encounter Jesus, man, it's amazing. And that first week or two, it feels like you're walking on the clouds. But then eventually you start to notice, man, I've, I've got issues. I've got brokenness. There's years of, you know, damage in a sense that's been either done to me or done by me or whatever, but then God comes and He heals us. He picks us up and He says, okay, no, it's not like that. And we need these gifts to come and fix, fix us, if that makes sense. Okay, I'm still with you on that one. So essentially, we need to be trained. If I can put it in a different way. So we are the builder. We, this is the building team. Are you as well? No, <laughs> this is the building team. Now, we need the builder, you know, on a building site, there's one builder and then the builders, like the people that actually put the bricks. 
they actually laid a brick. But there's one guy that's responsible for the building and the building site. He's the builder. Now, we need to have a builder that teaches, okay, how should we build this wall? And he says, okay, lay the bricks like that. Now, don't, don't use too much cement. Using too little, the wind's going to blow it or whatever. And we've got to build it. But we need to seek out these guys. We need to ask them, listen, are we building correctly? Because otherwise we, you know, I look, I look at some churches and I look at the way that they build. And I just feel like, man, I'm glad I'm not you when Jesus comes back. Not, not you know, just like, I, I don't know how you get away with that. Like, I'm, that's not the, the church that I see in the Bible. And I don't think... At least initially, I don't think these guys go out to build their own thing. I think everyone really wants to build the church of God. They wanna, we want to build God's thing. But now we're not sure exactly how that looks. So let's just build something so that we can say we've built something. You know? For instance, let's say, let's say you know, the, the lead guy looks at the church and says, well, people aren't loving enough. Let's, let's just do an ev- event. People will love one another. Now we do an event and we speak about unity and it's great and there's a sense of kumbaya, and we think, yes, we've built something. But then behind the scenes, people are still fighting. People are still not loving one another. So we want to build, but we're maybe not doing it correctly. So we need to seek out these guys, the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, to teach us and say, guys, come. Come alongside us and help us to build. In Ephesians 2, verse um, 19, Consequently, you are not, no longer foreigners and aliens but fellow citizens of God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Okay, you can just uh, maybe go to back to verse 20. So I want to focus on this. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. What is that? What is the foundation of the apostles and prophets? Anyone want to guess? Yeah, maybe that's easier as well. So, it's generally accepted that that kind of means the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay? The, the, the prophets meaning the Old Testament. Uh, a lot of the time it gets um, verweist in the house. Of, you know, the prophets said, or Jesus said, you know, you've read in the prophets. And uh, he's referring to the Old Testament. And then the apostles meaning the New Testament and as they wrote the thing. So that is, in a sense, the foundation. So to use an, another word, built on the foundation of the Bible with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So it's the sense that we need to use the Bible as our foundation. And I mean, we all say that, don't we? And I've said it. I remember, quick, funny story. Always say, yes, you know, we need to build on the Bible and do what the Bible says. And, and uh, I remember years ago, one of my friends, I just read the book of Revelation, and I blew my mind. Dragons and freaking uh, all, all these trumpets and scrolls and I was just this is amazing <laughs> I wish everyone read it uh, it was a bit confusing but I read it and it was amazing and one of my friends came to me and he said listen I, I want to read the book of Revelation what do you think and I was like we were young Christians man we're just psyching ourselves up to go through a whole book I'm like blue Revelation go and read it you're going to enjoy it but trust me I've read it you can just skip the first three chapters it's boring I mean nothing's happening there just start from chapter four you're not going to understand it. And I, was, I thought I was building. I was like, yes, man, I'm encouraging him and I'm doing it. I, like, <laughs> I can't believe I did that. Uh, and then a couple of years later, I heard one of the apostles preach on the first three chapters of Revelation. 
about how there's you know, the letters to the seven churches and, and how we need to be healthy churches and there's these churches. And I just sat there like, oh my God, I can't believe I told my friend that he shouldn't even read this. And I was untrained. I wasn't, and I want to I wanna say, I want to, it's okay. You know, if you make a mistake, don't feel like you need to be fully trained and fully equipped <coughs> before you can do anything. Now you, it's, it's impossible to steer a car that is standing still. I don't know, Quentin, maybe you can do it, but I mean, the rest of us can't. <laughs> you, know? you, you can't steer a car that's standing still. I mean, you can try and move the wheels a bit, but it's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to change the direction it's pointing. But the moment the car starts to move, you can steer it. So I want to encourage us all, man, just move. Just do something. Just try and be active in the church. I don't know how. I don't know where. Just something. Even if you mess it up, it's okay. God is gracious. Right? There's a, that key is saying, what God doesn't. God doesn't call the equipped, but He equips the called. And so just go for it. Stick up your hand. God, I want to be used by you. And He's, he's going to be gracious. And hopefully, hopefully if we build well, if you say something like, listen, just skip the first three chapters of Revelation, someone would come to you like, Avery, <laughs> you know, it's quite important. Maybe not skip the first three chapters. And then you'd learn. Because I know now that it's important. You know? I mean, most of it doesn't actually make sense if you don't have that. If anything, the first three chapters is probably the most applicable to you know the way the church works and you know um, so and I wanted to share that because I've, I've had my failures <laughs> over the years and dodgy things I've said and um, and it's okay God still uses me so don't feel like oh man I need to be fully equipped but we also do need to acknowledge but I do want to be equipped I do want to be trained and so people so ask me how do you know so much about the Bible or how do you you know are you able to explain it in this way? I'm like, honestly, I, I, people ask me a question and I just kind of go for it. And then I kind of hit my head and the next time I know how to answer it correctly. So I'll, I'll learn through just going for it. Now, yes, I think there is a measure of grace that God has given, but it's by me just going for it. You can't wait, to, to use the analogy of a gym, you can't wait to be fit. You need to just go for it. Go exercise, be flipping sore the next day. You're like, oh, you can't open up your arms, but just go for it. And then the next day again, the next day again, it, you know, then you, you learn, okay, I shouldn't do it like this. I need to get better form here or whatever. Back to Ephesians 2, built on the foundation of the Bible. So like I was saying, we all say, yes, the foundation of the Bible, but the way that we interpret that can be um, completely different. Can I say that, did you know that you can, lay a good foundation wrongly. Does that make sense? So just because a building has a foundation doesn't mean anything actually, or it means something, but if you mess that up, it, it can't just say, yes, foundation, tick, you know, nothing's going to happen. Um, and to use an illustration, uh, years ago at our house, we, we had this little um, small area where you can hang out and uh, we thought, yeah, listen, let's, let's extend it. Let's make it, make it bigger, build it, and this is a great idea. And we, we knew someone, and we, th we thought, okay, let's let this guy do it. We're helping him out. And he, he kind of, um, he said he knows what he can, he knows how to do it. And, and he, he built this house, and um, uh, this extra room, and it d did look amazing. It was awesome. I remember, I was quite young, but I remember there was foundation there. There was the walls, the lighting, everything. It was quite nice. And then as the years went past, we started to see, man, there's a, there's a crack here, kind of where the, where the two walls, you know, where we started building on. There's a little crack here, and we're not, okay, we're not sure now, I mean, it's, 
it's a crack you know, what, what can you do and then eventually you know, the roof started leaking a bit and the crack is on that side and it's kind of so essentially what happens is the bu building that was built you know, extra kind of is starting to split from the old building so the whole I mean I'm not a foundation expert but if I'm if I'm just looking at it there's a, a crack going all the way around there's something wrong at the foundation now I think it can be fixed you know it's not you know a train smack but even if there is a foundation there needs to be a skillful person that lays that thing correctly I mean even even if you just mix the, the I think it's a cement even if you just mix that incorrectly that has an impact I know with, with Gabby she had to at a hostel at um, university, they had to move out for a week because they built a building and uh, same story, crack all the way around. Now I don't know how you can fix a three-story building <laughs> with luck, but you know, they, they and I think they they mixed something incorrectly and they had to break some stuff and put it back on. But just because there's something doesn't mean it's correct. So the point I'm trying to make is, <laughs> in a sense, we mustn't rely on our buddy that can do it for on a cheap price. Now we need a skillful person. You know, they they say you only. Well, I don't know what how they say it, but I've learned that you only ask your buddy to build something for you once, and then afterwards you know to get a skillful person. <laughs> Especially if you're building or you're putting in tiles or whatever you're doing, you do it once you're on yourself. You know, and then you see no, you need someone that knows what they're doing. So in one Corinthians three verse ten. Can go to that. So we, 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 you guys agree with me that the foundation is the Bible, and we need to lay this. But there's a certain person that God has picked to lay the foundation. Because just because there's a foundation needs to be laid. By the grace of God, well, by the grace God has given me, I lay a foundation as an expert builder, and some someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds. And this is Paul writing. Can you keep that up? This is Paul writing, and he said, "You know what? I have." I have laid by the grace of God, by the grace God has given him. With the, when he says by the grace of God, it's not a, a cheesy, you know, by God's grace. What he actually means is by the apostolic gift that God has given me, by this grace that He's given me, I've laid a foundation, and He calls Himself an expert builder. And that is essentially what an apostle is. He's an expert builder, someone that can come into a building and just know what needs to be fixed. I remember. Um, Years ago, back in Wellington, I've, I've heard with uh, Andrew, who's an apostle, and I heard him speaking about, now maybe we should do this differently in the church. And I thought, yeah, this doesn't, you know, I, don't, I don't think it's going to help at all. But okay, you know, let's, let's maybe do that. I think it was something with, you know, in communities, we had, uh, had to have a bit of a structure or something like that. And I just thought, like, no, I would do it differently. But okay, I mean, he's the expert builder. We started doing it, and man, it worked. Well, okay. Uh, okay. Well, he knows what he's doing, and, and that way we learn. But we need to lean on these gifts because they are expert builders. Let me give you guys. I want to actually. Uh, you can go to Psalm twenty-three. Um, <coughs> want to use this as an example. Um, we all know this verse, right? Maybe this is a a good illustration of. A foundation that was l is laid can be laid incorrectly. Okay, so we all know this verse. You know, he makes me lay down in green pastures. I used to read it as pastures. Uh, uh, he leads me beside quiet waters. And if I would ask you, listen, paint a picture in your head. What is the green pastures? 
decepcionado. Ahora yo te quiero. No, la mamá de los huevos, de pinche, de grasa, mil cuyitos y todo. Y just swimming in the grass, you're just laying there, lovely uh, later, couple of birds. You, you, you're seeing this picture, right? Is, is that also the picture you, you think you're getting? Man, who, if you're honest with yourself, oh, I, I haven't found my life with God to be like that. Not even a little bit. And if you're honest with yourself, you have not find, found your life with God feeling like that. Where you just lay on green pastures and you've got everything that you need. And there's no worry in life. You don't even need to rely on God because you've just laid that where ev- you've got everything you need now. You don't need to rely on Him. He doesn't need to provide because everything's just great. But that is not the correct inter- interpretation of that, actually. What, what the green pastures mean, if you go and look at Israel, you will probably won't find the picture of the amazing green grass with the river. And if you do, it's probably uh, someone's field that's lilies or whatever. You know? It's not where sheep would be. In Israel, where sheep would be, would be almost closer, uh, out of town, closer to the wilderness. And there's, I, I wish I could show you a picture, but there's like these hillsides. I mean, it's just rocks. All you see is rocks. And that's actually where the sheep walk, and that's called the green pastures. And you're thinking, yes, Lord, are you having your sheep eat rocks, or what are you doing? It doesn't sound right. But if you have a closer look at those rocks, there's a breeze that comes across, you know, there's moisture in the air, and then the moisture would condense on the rocks, and would drip down the rocks, and there would be little pieces of grass all around the rocks. From far, you don't even see it. So essentially what, when Jesus says, you lead me, or when David says, you lead me to green pastures, but he's saying, man, I walk and there's a mouthful here, and ten, ten steps, there's a mouthful there. God gives me what I need. And that is, that is Jesus. And he gives us what, is need, what we need in the moment that we need it. Be honest with yourself, isn't that more the walk that we have with God? Man, he gives me what I need here. I don't know how it's going to look there, but he gives me what I need here. And we need and we need to encourage people, sorry, I just, this is so beautiful for me, that picture of Jesus. I don't know how tomorrow is going to look. He gives me what I need. Um, and that is, do you see how easily we can lay a foundation incorrectly? And it hurts people, it does. We tell people, oh man, he leads you to green pastures and everything will be hunky-dory. You must more than conquerors in Christ and then you lose your job. And you're like, not exactly how it works. Now Jesus said, look at the birds, look at the lilies. Man, doesn't God feed them and care for them? says, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow has its own worries, but just follow God. Seek first the kingdom of God. That is more consistent with the message that Jesus preached. And I mean, yes, there is a sense that in our hearts that we sometimes feel like, oh, we're at the quiet waters, and you know, that's Jesus. But with our lives, it's like he, he leads us in the green pastures, and he knows, okay, man, there will be sheep. And I want to actually finish. I, I actually just wanted to quick uh, explain the verse. Uh, Psalm 22 to you, because that was actually quite cool for me, and very applicable in just the way that we, especially going into the end of the year, I think a lot of people feel like, oh, how am I, you know, I feel a bit burnt out, and there's a, you know, the holiday coming, and there's all, uh, people are stressing, but we need to hold on, man, God gives us what we need, when we need it. If you get back to the apostolic, the apostles, we need to lean on these gifts to, to teach us, to equip us, and to build the correct way. In, in one, one Thessalonians, 3 verse 10. Do 
night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. I mean, we don't hear that message preached a lot. Generally, what you hear is like, you know, you're seated in heavenly places, you're more than conquerors, you've got everything that you need. But Paul is saying, I wish we could be with you so we can supply what is lacking in your faith. And we need to acknowledge Jesus. Send people so that we might that they might supply to us what is lacking in our faith. It's pride that says, no man, I've got everything. I'm already perfect. That is not a biblical view, actually. You you can show me the scripture and I'll show you where you're wrong. But that is not a biblical view. We are not already perfect. That's a horrible interpretation of the Bible. John said, if you say you're without sin, you're lying. And then you say you're perfect. Sorry, you can't get those two, two things together. But we need to lean on the apostles. And it's cool how how he says, man, we pray day and night that we might be with you so to supply what is lacking in your faith. This is like life and death for him. You know, imagine Paul would come one Sunday. He rocks up here. He's here with us for a weekend. And then half of the church is here. The rest like my sister's dog got maimed or something so I had to and I'm like come on man, really you know, this is life and death there's a guy coming to supply to us what is lacking in our faith and it's kind of like ah oh, it's okay no we're not taking it seriously but also we've got amazing material out there that we can watch that we can read that we can actually ha- that we have out there that is there to supply the lack what is lacking in our faith I want to say how do we how do we position ourselves get the scriptures. I felt this in worship. I don't know who that uh, Umar, will you get 1 Corinthians 1, <laughs> 1 Corinthians 12 verse 28? Two more scriptures and I'm finished. Uh, wh- wh- while he gets that um, we, we need to acknowledge that God works through people right and uh, we, we don't want to we don't want to acknowledge that because i think there's a sense of pride that as, as people we have you know well maybe it's just me you guys are good christians you don't do that you don't do the whole pride thing but we we do have pride in our lives where we think no, no i don't need you know let's say andrew comes for a nah it's okay if i skip it uh, I'll, the holy spirit will just teach me right that's it's not the approach of the bible can you can you show me where that where that is in the bible that approach. Yes, I know, you know, Jesus says, you know, the Holy Spirit will lead you and he will teach you. But then all through the, the rest of the New Testament, there's these encouragements. Listen, don't le- be led astray. Make sure, be accountable, be submissive, be, uh, submit yourselves one to another. Let me read it. And in the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and then it goes on. But that word, first of all, literally means first of importance. The Greek word literally, it, it's like the general of an army is more important than the sergeant or the captain. It's not more, va- you know, it's not like Jesus loves him more, but he's first of importance and God has given him because that is the expert builder. doesn't help you've got this building you want to build, you've got the electricians, you've got the plumbers, but there's no builder. You're not going to build anything there. And so there's a sense of the builder is kind of the most important, you know, thi- person on a on a building site. 
And then we also just put up 2 Corinthians 8, verse 5. And then maybe, maybe in closing, I would ask this question. How can we respond to this? How, how do we position ourselves to be built up by the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, evangelists, the pastors? How do we position ourselves? And I, I want to say the first step, be prepared to unlearn certain things. And we need to be prepared to say, you know what, I've, I've been, there's this foundation that's been laid. I need to be prepared for someone else to come in, dig it up, put something else in there, put some support beams because the foundation is not correct. Someone to come and fix that. And sometimes you need to break down a wall in order to have the building that Jesus wants. And we need to be ready to God. If there's anything in the mouth, if, there, if there's any belief system, anything that I see with my heart, that is not according to the Bible. Come and break it down. God, I'll change. Whatever it is. Uh, it's 2 Corinthians 8, verse 5. So the first thing we can do is um, be prepared to unlearn things. The second one is, I would say, when the Ephesians 4, 11 gifts come, prioritize that. Man, when, when we get someone in, we need to prioritize it. But... Obviously, with COVID, it's been difficult. You know, we've not always been able to get the people in. But there's amazing material. I mean, we've got an app, the photo app with the past years, a photo app conferences with Andrew, Mike Davey, you know, Mike Dove, all these guys preaching. And I mean, I, honestly, I've had listened to those things at least, every, every one of them at least once. Because I want to be like a sponge, man. I want to see how am I building incorrectly. Is there any belief system that I have? And I've watched those videos and I sat there and I'm like, oh, Man, I, I never saw it like this. I was wrong in this area. Then I changed my belief system in that area, and it affects my whole life. 2 Corinthians 5, verse uh, 8 to 5. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So Paul is writing to the Corinthians about, I think, the Thessalonians, but he's writing them to them and he's saying, they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then to us. And that should be our heart. We give ourselves first to God. Now you give yourself to God. Follow Him. Listen to His voice. Have your quiet times. Spend time with Him. But then also by God's will, we give ourselves to the apostles. To the Ephesians 4.11 gifts. Because that is the way God has designed it. And it's not that we put them on a pedestal. I mean, if you've ever met Andrew, he is the most chilled guy I've ever met, you know. He would probably be preaching here with a dream and plucking. Because he's not about his image. He's a, he's, he knows that he is one of us. He's not a, you know, the, he's not the Pope. Uh, and he has said it out of his own. But the gifts that he carries, the grace that God has given to him, man, that is something special. And we need to, you know, like a sponge, take everything we can. It's not just him, there's a, a plethora of gifts. God has given to the church. So we need to give ourselves first to the Lord, but then to the apostles. And if you're struggling with the idea of apostles, are apostles still for today? Quick answer, yes. Um, you can come chat to me afterwards if you want me to explain it. It's actually quite easy. Um, but there's a lot of guys on YouTube that you know says a lot of things. And I want to say also, j don't, I'm not saying just go on YouTube and watch every 
because you can't have someone coming in and building a certain way and the next day there's a different builder and he's kind of like yeah let's break that wall down again i don't like it and you build something else the next day there's another builder then that building is going to look terrible you've got one builder that is responsible for that area and for us the the uh, uh, ephesians 4 gives like in our context in 412 they're responsible for us so they they carry the responsibility so meaning if they say something and we do it they're going to have to be accountable to god for for us the guys on youtube is not responsible to you yeah it's okay there's some nice guys on youtube i mean i'm not saying you can't i'm just saying i'm not saying just jump on youtube and get everything i'm actually saying get everything you can from the ephesians 4 gifts that we have if you're not sure what or come ask us we'll we'll tell you so i actually just want to land it there don't want to overcomplicate it just to summarize it god is building through master builders called the apostles and the rest of the ephesians 4 gifts and we need to lean on these people. We need to allow them to equip us and to change us. Position our heart to, be, to unlearn certain things. But also, man, give ourselves to this. Give ourselves. If there's a call made out, listen, we need to you know, do, do better in evangelism. Give ourselves. How can I do? How can I, how can I do that better? If there's material out there, give yourself. So that if, I'll, if I can give you guys a challenge, you know, something practical to do, Get your, you know, you can even go on the Josh James website. There's a lot of preachers there. You can look at some of the guys. But maybe you can download the 412 app and go through those conference messages. Listen to it, especially with the holiday coming. Don't take your foot off the gas now. Man, take in as much as you can. Take in as much as you can. Then one day you'll be able to, or not even one day, but as you take in as much as you can, you'll be able to build the way God wants. Someone would ask you a question, how does this work? How does this work? Hey, look, I'm starting to get used to how, how to answer this. Why don't we all stand and let me pray for us.